we don't want to make the behavioral change. Yes, yes. The reason why I got a belly isn't because I don't know what I need to do to get rid of my belly. Mm -hmm. It's because when it comes down to it, I don't want to make behavioral change. Yes. And it's always a trade off of the present you versus the future you. And some people discount the future radically. They live their cash and carry, they don't care, right? And other people, the future is so important to them that they'll actually starve themselves today so that they can maybe have a meal when they're 95 and there's a lot of people in the middle. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. On today's episode, we have Michael Lynch. He is a certified financial planner with nearly 20 years of experience working with American families to craft plans to fund their dreams, educate their children, and finance their retirement. He was actually an on-site financial planner at ESPN, which I should have asked him about in this podcast. He's contributed to the Wall Street Journal, The Streets Daily Retirement, and Investors Business Daily, and he's even hosted smart money radio show for over a decade. He's got fantastic energy. I think you're going to learn a lot about personal finance. Even if you're an advisor yourself, you can oftentimes begin to focus only on your clients and not on your money. He's got a fantastic book that I think you're all going to want to check out. It's called All About the Income, a Simple System. So make sure you go to and check out his website, which is simpleandbig.com. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Michael Lynch. Have you ever tried online marketing before and weren't sure if it was working? Maybe your rep talked about all the impressive features and stats and said things were going great, but you didn't know how all that tied into raw new policies written. Well, that's not the case with Direct Clicks. Direct Clicks is the premier Google Ads and SEO option exclusively for State Farm agents. Why? They're 100% resource-oriented with an exclusivity guarantee. Every review call you have with your account manager focuses on what really matters to your business, and that's leads and call-ins received. Everything will get broken down to cost per lead received. By investing with direct clicks, you're going to free up time and energy to focus on what's most important in your agency and doing what it is you do best. This will be the best investment you make for your team by spending confidently and scaling your agency today with exclusive online marketing partner, DirectClicks. Visit us at directclicksinc.com. Ambition is the first step towards success. It's time to level up your agency. And Coach P Consulting will help you do just that by using the same strategies he used to sell over 700 life insurance policies in 2021 alone. Now, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week, every week of the month, and you'll get a live look behind the scenes of his team training and an office that's performing at the highest level. There's a reason Coach P Consulting is the fastest growing coaching company for insurance agency owners in the country. Coach P will train your team alongside his own and show you the exact steps they're taking to achieve chairman circle, exotic travel, and multi-line presence club and be one of the few agents to be selected to have a third office. 
So whether your goal is to be at the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and the tactics to get there. For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level, and his strategies work, and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at coachpeakconsulting.com and get your first full month for free when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Michael Lynch, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Well, it's great to be here. Great to be here, Bradley. Excited to have you. So we always start with background and origin story. We loved hearing people's journeys about kind of how they got to where they are. So why don't you just tell people a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are in life? All right. Well, you know, it's a long story, right? But we'll keep it short. Right out of college, I went to work for a free market think tank. And that's where I learned to write and really speak and communicate. And from there, I went into writing for a while. I was an opinion writer and feature writer and covered uh, DC for an LA magazine. And that was fantastic. And then my early 30s, I always loved doing personal finance. I loved the dorkness of it. Like, oh, you can do a Roth or I covered the Roth IRA when it came, all the bills when it came through Congress. And I used to write in the first dot-com boom I wrote for, I wrote a personal finance column online, like early online stuff was kind of fun. And so anyway, when I jumped at the opportunity for a career change and it was dumb luck because just as the media was imploding or just prior to it imploding really, I career changed and I got into personal financial planning and it's been fantastic. And so that was 2000. I think my licenses probably they don't lie, but I think they're probably 2003. Mm-hmm. So we're in the 20th year here in this game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. You obviously will talk about your book in just a little bit, sure. but you've been a writer. Now you've taken the writing aspect of what you were doing combined it with obviously the financial knowledge and becoming a financial planner, certified financial planner. Did you ever have any thoughts or when did you first have the thoughts that, hey, I think I'm actually going to write a book about the things that I know around personal finance? That's an interesting question. My first book is called Keep It Simple, Make It Big. And I wrote that book my second year in the business, but I didn't publish it. And here's what happened. We had these presentations we give at corporations. I'm blessed. A great way to build a business. So I was on site at ESPN. I'm at Madison Square Garden right now. Big hospital systems, utility where we go in and we teach soup to nuts financial planning. Four parts, eight hours. Can't fake it. Not that scripted. And we had a presentation that we had purchased. It was financial strategies for successful retirement. Very good presentation. However, ING bought it and bought the rights to it. We knew we were going to lose it. So since I had the skills, I went and I wrote a new presentation. I got the graphics, I built the graphs. My company that was my back office, in, which probably don't name names, but it doesn't matter. I have a lot of love for them. Snoopy. They basically said if they approved it, they owned it, right? And I'm like, well, you're not going to own my intellectual capital. I mean, that's just a line too far across. It's not going to happen. So I put that on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And I just basically put it in my drawer and I was like rummaging through my office like nine years later. And I pulled it out. I'm like, this is good. Now, it was built for presentation. So I had to write it. Seeing all the inflation, all the numbers updated was very interesting. And then building narrative around it. So mm-hmm. I started writing early. It was always part of my business plan. Really, what I think it is, and you have this as well, because you got this successful podcast, communication skills. Mm-hmm. They're the most highly paid skills in America, probably the world, but in America except if you're directly paid to communicate, right? Mm. Think about that one. They're the highest paid skills unless it's your job. So if you can write, you can speak, you can articulate, you can motivate, 
you can combine that with a whole host of technical skills and sure. you will get hired quicker, make more money, be more successful than somebody only with the technical skills. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you're paid to write for a local newspaper, I hope the food bank is on your route because you're going to need to pick up a free meal, right? So that ain't a good way to make a living. Yeah, very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. Who influenced you the most regarding your financial knowledge around personal finances? Ah, well, we can do a lot. My boss and my mentor, a wonderful woman, name is Sally Pipes. Her mentor was Milton Friedman. Oh, wow. Wow. Yes. And so I can't say that he spent a lot of time with me, but I can say I spent time with him early in my career. And I can't say that through her and him, definitely when I read Capitalism, Freedom in College, and I was at a very liberal college at UC Santa Cruz, was Marxist. When I read that, it changed my life. I'm like, this is how the world works. This dude's right. This dude's right. Okay. So that's a broad level. Now, when we look at actual the field, I'm an investment guy. I've got a master's in economics. So I'm, I like stocks. I'm a free market type of guy. Even these peers like this, I understand them. I don't have to love them, but mm-hmm. they're not like, how could this happen? Nick Murray. I read yep. everything Nick Murray wrote before I got into business. Before I got into business, everything Nick Murray wrote. NAFA. I always loved NAFA. So I read Advisor Today, subscribed to that before I just rejoined too. So I was one of their 440 years ago. And Bill Bacharach, fantastic. I read the trades. And so there's just a lot of good information out there. And then Ed Slot, I'm an Ed Slot advisor. We're the dorks, right? We're the heavy dorks. We go for two days, spend a lot of money to read about how IRAs get played out in court. I like to read. I read about a book a week. I consume a lot of we used to call it material, now we call it media, right? Or a lot of content. I'm a heavy consumer content. Yeah. Awesome. Ed actually came on the podcast last year when we talked about his book, The New Retirement Savings Time Bomb or something yeah. like that. I may have that a little bit wrong, but he came on. Nick Murray, I love his humor or I love his dryness. I've never met him. I've read a couple of his books. I know a lot of our listeners will be familiar with Nick and some of his work. For those that don't know, when we talked about Milton Friedman, can you just tell people who that is so that they have an understanding if they don't know that? Well, Milton Friedman is very germane right now. Milton Friedman is a Nobel Laureate economist from mm-hmm. that he won, I think, in the late 70s, early 80s. And what he won it for was his work on monetary theory, which said the problem with inflation is always money. And also the cause of the Great Depression was the fact that the Federal Reserve didn't stand in at the lender last resort. And so basically what happened was the money came out of the economy and everything collapsed. And that's why you had deflation. He said if the Fed would have put the money in the window. Now, I don't read his technical stuff, so I'm paraphrasing here and I could be wrong because I'm not smart enough for that. But nonetheless, so our current president, his name, President Joseph Biden from Scranton, he actually said Milton Friedman's not in charge anymore early on in his presidency. And in fact, he is, because what you see happening right now with mm-hmm. Powell is he is channeling the Milton Friedman, the monetary policy, the idea that you cannot have inflation without money. Mm-hmm. It is both a necessary and it's a sufficient condition to get it too much money, chasing too few goods, you're in trouble. And so he would have no heart. He would not have a hard time understanding what's going on right now. And he was a fantastic communicator. The thing about him, he wrote this very popular column in Newsweek. And it was, he was on the free market side and then Paul Samuelson, who's mm-hmm. classical, and they would debate the topics. And mm-hmm. he was a great communicator of ideas. And he was just a wonderful man. He was only about five feet tall. He made me look tall. And I remember when I met him, I brought this ratty old book, Capital and Freedom. 
and I haven't signed it. And my boss, Sally, was a little bit embarrassed. I said, no, I love this book. Right? That's, that's, awesome. why it's that's why it's ratty. Well, I'll sign yeah. this one. Sign this one. So I realize that I'm going to ask a question that is difficult probably to answer, but I think that you are so well-read in this space. People want to know, I'm curious too, we're recording this very beginning of November 2022, and so the last six months have been a wild ride, and it looks like the next six months certainly could be a wild ride. Where have we been briefly? Okay, so again, take us back just a little bit, how we got to kind of where we are the last couple of years, maybe. And then more so, where do you see things going over the next year? So I'm asking a macroeconomic question. Okay. I'm asking you to pull out your crystal ball, but then boil that down to what are you seeing the philosophical approach that you're taking with some of your clients right now in this environment? Yeah. It's like, I think Yogi Bear said, he doesn't make predictions, especially about the future. Yeah, And right. for people that are interested in future predictions, and this will be good for you too, Brad. I will answer your question. This book by this guy, I think his name is Daniel Gardner. It's called Future Babble. Future Babble. It is an absolutely fantastic look at predictions, who makes them, who we listen to, and who's actually less wrong because nobody's ever right. And he starts out talking about oil. Nobody can predict oil. And when the CEO of the oil companies actually admit it, they're like, yeah, we can't predict it, but we pretend to be able to because what the heck else are you going to do, mm. all right? So yeah. I think what we have happening now to answer your question is basically we've gone through a period, go all the way back to the dot-com bust in 9-11, where the Federal Reserve started really actively using interest rate cuts yeah. to juice the economy. And they knocked them down low. They kept them low. That was after 9-11, yeah. right? And before that, we had... Short-term rates, I don't know how old you are. I'm 53. I remember the great inflation. In the, I remember Jimmy Carter. I remember Ronald Reagan. So I remember that. I remember those high prices. Hmm. And then Paul Volcker raised interest rates very, very high. And if you talk to somebody that's old enough, they'll tell you about a 20% mortgage. They'll tell you about 18% mortgage. Yeah. Right? We yeah. give our classes. We'd always have a contest. Who uh, We'd say two things. What's the highest mortgage you paid, the highest CD you got? And they're always double digits. I remember I got a 10% CD in high school. Wow. And then also, who here paid more for your last car than your first house? Mm. And so that gets both at interest rates and inflation and what it does and what it is. And so we had this period of price stability that came out Volcker really putting us in that recession with high interest rates. And so we're coming up in the 90s and we're managing money before the collapse that happened with the dot com. I mean, you could get five, six percent at the bank. Mm. So you could take money out of the stock market, put it on the side, and actually get paid, right? You get paid away. And we had a good economy, we had a balanced budget. Bill Clinton, we had an entertaining president, right? So the world wasn't a bad place. Companies were making money, they increased taxes, supposedly it was going to crash everything. Of course it didn't, right? It's you know, predictions are tough. But then that came, they cut the rates, held it down. We had the housing bubble. What was the housing bubble built on? It was built on too low of rates, right? People need to stretch. They started lending money out to get higher rates. People that probably shouldn't have been borrowing money, like because they didn't have a job, because they couldn't pay it back. <laughs> There's an idea. And so when that collapse happened, cut them again. And for whatever reason, they kept them low all the way through and just started increasing them again during the Trump presidency, because that's when the labor market started tightening. And the working people in this country, started actually getting their wages to go up. It's good, right? That's good. Finally, the top flattened out. Those came up. This is a really good paper by uh, Michael Strain on this, the National Bureau of Economic Research. 
And that came up. Then we had COVID. Early on, COVID was a market issue. So the treasury market was creaking. There's a lack of liquidity. So they stepped, the Fed steps in there. But then also they just cut rates and they said they're going to keep them low. They said they weren't going to raise them until 2023, I think. And just inflation just crashed them. And on top of that, you had Federal Reserve policy also putting money in the system by buying bonds. When they buy bonds, they take a bond in, they put cash in. So you had double that. And then with COVID, what you did is you put on a lot of fiscal policy as well. So the Congress, you may have noticed, and the president, both bipartisan, Trump, and then continued on to our current administration, passed out a lot of money. And so you take supply and shut it down. You take cash and you give people cash, put it directly in their bank accounts, in addition to the wages and bonuses they were already getting. And when that money comes out, you're going to get inflation. That's what we got. And mainstream press said, well, nobody predicted it. Well, no, they did. It was predicted by plenty, plenty of people. It's just not the people that they chose to interview. I scratched my head on a few Wall Street. I have a file on my desktop called Bubble Up. And so I've been tracking all the inflation writing for a couple of years. And it's crazy. In the Wall Street Journal, they wouldn't even interview one monitor. So they say, hey, it's money. No, it's like it's, they always say, what's demand? Well, what did demand come from? Demand comes from money. So that's kind of what I think. Where are we going? I'm an optimist. So again, look, don't take any action on what I say. The last thing I want you ever to do is go make a move based on what this guy says to a group of people. However, I tend to think that problems in markets create solutions. So the problem is low price, the solution is low price. There's a price at which you buy your neighbor's house, and there's a price at which you should sell your house to your neighbor, right? And if we go extreme, you can think that through. I'm not scared of higher interest rates. I think money is a good thing. So I think money should, if you use my money, you should pay me. That's called interest, including Uncle Sam. And so in my happy scenarios, and I wrote a blog post on this, imagine a world in which you go to the bank, you get 5%, and right? In which you can buy a government bond and get six, seven, and in which you can stock, you can stretch and put your money at risk, get a 3% dividend and hope for like a 7% return, right? Well, you have a whole set of choices. That could be a world we're going back to. And one other thing that I know is near and dear to you and your listeners is what's one industry that higher interest rates are is very good for, which is to say who low interest rates have been terribly destructive for. Yeah, life insurance. Life insurance, the insurance industry, the retirement product industry, right? The, the main ingredient that everything gets manufactured out of, especially stable products that clients want, products that don't swing 20%. Interest rates the main ingredient, and we have seen an immediate improvement across the board in those type of offerings for people. So it's not necessarily all bad, right? Every negative has a positive, every positive has a negative. Yeah, I think it's really well said. I mean, because for so long we have all enjoyed the two and three percent mortgage rates, but it's also come with other investment products. <laughs> you just don't have any options. CDs paying point nothing percent as an example, let alone other things such as inside life insurance policies. I totally agree with you. Ultimately, the dam had to break at some point, right? I yeah. mean, it had been there for just for so long. So let's tilt over a little bit into more personal finance then and continue that on. Yeah. Why do you think so many people in general just avoid thinking about planning for retirement? Well, I think we have different personalities. Okay. So the group of people that I see range from late planners to avid planners. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of my writings, I actively challenge the notion 
that there's a retirement crisis. I don't believe there is. And I think actually, if you go fellow American Enterprise Institute, I can't remember, I'm going to lose his name right now, I'll remember later and I'll cite it out. He's so good when he debates on this. He was a commissioner on Social Security. And if you look at the actual numbers, people retire in America quite well and they enjoy a high standard of living and they're very happy. So for example, Bradley, 50-year-olds worry about their retirement, but when you track those 50-year-olds, when they're 70, they're like, it's great. Maybe they save more because they were worried and they ended up okay. Now, there is still a lot of pensions out there and we'll have to see when those pensions run off if our generation does the same. But in general, I think people have a hard time with time perspective of what we have to do. The great thing about the internet is when we were kids, I keep telling you how old I am. How, how old are you, Brian? 41. Okay, so we're kind of the same generation. You probably heard this. The problem is education. We just need more information now. Yeah, that's right. It's not true. That yeah. is the dumbest thing ever. There is not one problem in society that it happens because people don't have information. Oh, well, let's yeah. see. We've got, we've got information. Exactly. We don't want to make the behavioral change. Yes, yes. The reason why I got a belly isn't because I don't know what I need to do to get rid of my belly. Mm -hmm. It's because when it comes down to it, I don't want to make behavioral change. Yes. And it's always a trade-off of the present you versus the future you. And some people discount the future radically. They live, they're cash and carry, they don't care, right? And other people, the future is so important to them that they'll actually starve themselves today so that they can maybe have a meal when they're 95. And there's a lot of people in the middle. So I actually love the U.S. retirement system. I love the U.S. social safety net system. I think it's diverse. It offers people uh, help where they need it. It gives them a lot of options. Dumbest thing ever here. Oh, people don't have access to a retirement plan. Really? Ever hear of an IRA? Right? Everybody has access to a retirement plan. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue, increase your bottom line, and better manage your taxes? Club Capital is here to help. Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agents in the country, providing monthly accounting, tax strategy, and CFO services. Way more than bookkeeping and your everyday run-of-the-mill tax prep, Club Capital is focused on providing financial and tax advisory services that help you plan and forecast your agency's performance. Their financial dashboards and agency forecasting tools help you better understand your agency's historical performance, create and measure future targets, and see how your agency compares to your peers around the country. Imagine what it would be like to understand the impact to your bottom line when deciding to hire a new employee or forecast the impact rate changes or commission rates will have on your business. With over $200 million in tracked annual revenue and $140 million in tracked annual expenses, Club Capital has the data and the team to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. They will help you turn that back office stress into the backbone of your agency's success by giving you the tools to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book a solution overview with one of our business consultants. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. The best use of money is to buy back your time. And one of the best ways to do that is with a virtual assistant. Rock Solid Virtual Assistants brings together top business leaders with exceptional virtual assistants to build successful, relationship-driven teams. The services they provide range from graphic design and marketing to executive admin assistance and everything in between. There are many virtual assistant companies on the market to choose from, but at Rock Solid, their processes and passion for what they do place them at the very top of that list. Not only is their hiring process exceptional, which nets them the very best assistance, but they also provide superior support to their teams for the duration of your time with them. 
The matching process at Rock Solid is unlike any other, and they have the track record to prove it. Their hands-on approach has proven to increase the success rate of their teams exponentially. So if you're looking to build a rock-solid team for your business, reach out to Tracy and the team for a no-pressure discovery call at rocksolidassistance.com. They value your success as if it were their own, because it is. I was actually talking to somebody, a business owner, this morning, and we were looking at his, what I call school board, basically, for his business. And then we were looking at the numbers for this year. Actually, we went back five years to look at the numbers from his business and then brought that to present day. We began to kind of rewrite the story that was in his head because there were some things that opened up that he didn't even realize because he had not been measuring some of the numbers. Riz, I'm getting to a question here around planning because when we started to lay out what his targets were in the business for his business, that was not a substitute for the plan to make that happen. So with retirement planning specifically, Somebody could sit down and begin to say, okay, well, how much do I need to have? I think there was some ad on TV at one point that was, what is your number? Do you have a number? It's a million, two million, 10 million, whatever that is. Okay, well, then what's the plan to make that happen? And how do Mm -hmm. I go about the behavioral change, which Nick Murray obviously talks a lot about behavioral change. What's the behavioral change that I need to have in order to make that happen? So When is the right time and what are some of the biggest pitfalls that you see whenever people go to actually put a plan together? I think it's actually not taking the time just to do basic math. I mean, I think math is really hard for us. And I say that myself. I'm on it. (laughs) And I think exponential math or compounding math is impossible. We're linear thinkers. So I think we overestimate what we can get done in a short period of time and underestimate what we can get done in a long period of time. All right. And so for the older generation, I think. What happens, Bradley, is we're all living life. We're all living a lot. Even though our parents allegedly live better than us, that's a lie. We live better than them. If you look at what we consume and how much we consume, right? And Americans consume way more than anybody else. Look at our per capita GDP in America and look at Europe. And you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. I was looking at the UK. Different numbers on this. I saw this written in the Wall Street Journal. And then I went to try to verify. And it's pretty close. If the UK was an American state, it would fall between It'd be just above Mississippi per capita. It'd be the 50th, right? The UK, all right? Wow. We live so well here, right? We live so well. And so I guess what the point I was going to make is we have a hard time understanding that and then understanding what it's going to take to create that. But it doesn't take that much if you start early enough. My next book is going to be going to 40s and 50s. And I like to say, if you save 10%, you'll never be poor. And if you save 20%, you'll always be wealthy. And I actually believe, and I got some numbers to this and we'll go, that for a lot of people that have the ability to delay gratification to save for themselves, a 401k type of plan is way better than a pension ever is. Gives Mm. you more money and lets you pass wealth on to your kids and your grandkids. But it's self-serve. And if you don't elect to do it, you're going to get different outcomes. If yep. we're in a government-controlled system, you and I pay the tax, we get the same benefit, right? But if we're in a private system, you make different choices, you're thinner than me. You're making different health choices than I am. Unfortunately, I don't get to make my choices and look like you, right? <laughs> no. I wish I could, but I don't. And so you get disparate outcomes because of that. And no, I could go on and on and on. I love 
the American system. And what I will tell you also is, I'm not going to say I'm unique, but what I will say is I have a very large financial planning practice. I get to know my clients very well. I've worked with young people. Mm-hmm. I work with old people. I work with clients that make $3 million a year. I work with clients that make 30000 a year. Mm-hmm. I see the social service system. I can have clients in the markets in which I work where they can have a million dollars and they can get free Medicare because mm-hmm. Medicare is income-based, not asset-based, right? So I know that there's so many different strategies at different levels of affluence and different levels of wealth. And ironically, there's a pr- good problem to have. And I would take this problem, and I do take this problem. But it's harder for people that are affluent to get wealthy, to retire well, than it is for people that are not affluent. And by affluence is high income. Wealth is a lot of assets. That's a difference, right? That's a difference. Why do I say that? Well, because you're affluent, you think you make X, but you really make X minus your taxes. Yes. So taxes take a big chunk. Then... If you're a professional, you have all kinds of spending expectations on you. Yeah, you right? do. Think of the difference between a plumber and a surgeon. I'd be a plumber every time. Every time. Okay. Then what you also have is social security. I love social security. 15% of our income already goes to a pension. Social security at 13%, right? It already goes there. And social security is fantastic. Inflation adjusted back by the U.S. government. But if I'm a lower income, it might replace 50, 60% of my income at zero tax. And if I'm higher income, so that means I almost don't have to have much savings at all. And I've been living on that in my life the whole time. So somebody that makes a lot of money might not want to go on and live there. But life's worked very well there, right? I mean, we're all different. So anyways, I think that there's ways to make it happen, to make it happen for everybody. And then the thing that gets missed, and there's a great book out there by Phil Graham right now and then a couple other researchers. And what they really are is critical of the government data as they should be, because they basically say the way the Census Bureau tracks data is for people that earn money, they count your taxes like you get to spend it. But last time I checked, I didn't get to spend my income tax, right? So let's say I make 200000 and I have 40000 in tax, 20%. I'm really making 160, right? I ain't making two. Then if you're at the bottom end, they don't count government benefits as income. Mm. So you get... 2000 a month in rent, right? And so in my market, that's what it would cost, right? Or whatever, sure. 1000 No, that's counted, right? Same thing they do with the retirees. When they ask retirees how much they spend, they underestimate it by like 20%. The IRS records don't lie because they have to report on their taxes. But it's just survey stuff, right? So I asked you what your income is. You forget about the withdrawal you took out of your IRA. That doesn't seem like income to you, right? Yeah, you just think sure. about your Social Security. So anyways, I think there's a lot of diversity. I think it's a lot better than people think. I think our system is fantastic. It is self-served. And I think that's why it provides opportunity for us to add a lot of value to clients up and down the income and asset spectrum. We can add a lot of value by using our brains and our knowledge to help them out. I feel like that whenever you were talking about that, it made me think of, I don't know who said this before to me, but lifestyle creep. So if you were making $50,000 and you were comfortable there, then you start making a hundred, and then for some of you making two fifty, five hundred, even a million, your lifestyle has just gone up, and you're accustomed to that living now that you have it, and you're not saving as much. I mean, I don't know if, if you agree with that, but that's what kind of what I hear is that if you're not able to balance a budget at thirty thousand, when you get to three hundred thousand, it's probably going to be the exact same thing because your lifestyle is going to creep up accordingly. 
Correct. I as a radio show co-host used to say, the leading cause of bankruptcy is a lower than expected raise. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or, right? You spent our bonus, right? I hear you on that. I hear you on that. On the other hand, what we say is just drive a wedge, right? Parkinson's law, drive a wedge. So you get a raise, immediately save more. You got to drive a wedge to your income expenses. You need to save that money. And wide range of incomes, wide range of assets. You can be happy at different levels. There's just different strategies that are necessitated at different levels. I recently had a doctor, a really high earner, and he was short for retirement. And the reason he was short was because he was using middle-class advice, which is max out your employer plan. But if you're making the kind of money he was making, an employer plan doesn't give you what you need. Yeah, It's a good start, but you better stack it up. Also, what I mentioned before about Social Security, it's going to replace very little. So whereas if I am an average earner, 10% will get it done because Social Security gets me there if I have a long enough time horizon, right? Whereas on a higher earner like that, he needs 20%, right? Because you have to have the bigger portion replace the bigger portion. So you got to have the right tool for the job. You got to have the right game plan given your personal circumstances. No, I think it's good. I mean, paying attention to who you pay attention to and who you take advice from, because if you're... Even if in business, you're listening to someone who is 20 times your size talking about what it is that they're doing to be able to grow their business, that may not be applicable to you. And an extreme example, a good opportunity for Warren Buffett is not a good opportunity for Bradley Hamner, right? I mean, it's Ab- just just not. Right. You yeah. might appreciate this because we've been in the similar industry, insurance industry and stuff. And so you'd go to annual uh you know, the meetings and they're very good. You get, you learn a lot of these meetings and you see stuff, but that would be a critique. You got the new person in the business. And I was actually that person. So I was on plenty of stages, but what they say is, oh, look, all this, everything this person did. Right. And then it turns out his uncle was a CPA and gave him all the business. It's totally not replicable, <laughs> right? Your uncle's right. not a CPA. The best question I ever had, you ever see that movie, The Million Dollar Baby? Yes. Yes. That guy spoke to our firm. He was great. And one of the people in our firm got up and asked questions said, well, I want to work with athletes. What's your best way to get in this market? And here was his story. It was great. He's like, I don't really think I can help you there. He's like, why? Well, let me tell you how I got here. So I went to business school in the Midwest. It was, I think it was Cincinnati, Ohio somewhere. And I got an MBA. And I was working at marketing soap at Procter & Gamble or something like that. Right? Yeah, good job. But it was, And he's like, I had this business professor call up. And he's like, look, there's this new trading card company. They need somebody. I think you'd be great for the job. Why don't you go apply? So he got that job. So now he's working in a card. I'm not a sports guy. If you're a sports, people would know what card company is. I'm not. So I don't. But I know the story. So then he says, so he's like, I got to know the players. And Emmett Smith is like, you're smart. My agent's dumb. You're smarter than my agent. You should be my agent. That's how I became agent. Then Evan wow. Smith is what's known as a multiplier or maybe everybody likes him. They ask him questions. So he's like, I became known as the best agent for running backs. He's like, that. so go try to replicate that. That's not replicable, right? Yeah. And he wasn't bragging. That's just how life works, isn't it? Isn't Absolutely. that just how life works? It's just yeah. how it works. It, it you get is. in motion and you get in motion. It's a corridor theory of success. Start moving. You don't know what's going to come your way. That's why I don't believe in niche markets for most people because- mm. You do that in theory and it doesn't work. Go and practice and see what happens. And you mm-hmm. maybe stay a journalist because you like all kinds of people. So yeah. I'm curious. I want to ask you one question around your book. It's all sure. about the income, a simple yeah. system for a big retirement. That's a great title, by the way. I have to Thank you. Give credit on that. 
You talk about this idea of the carbon monoxide of retirement. So what is that, number one? And whenever we're talking about inflation, but so I want to ask you around that. So what is your advice for someone who is currently setting up and the process of setting up their financial future? So carbon monoxide is inflation. It's negative compounding. Even at 3%, a pension, a dollar in a pension becomes 50 cents over 20 years, right? The pension gets cut in half, all right? So the thing is, there's no such thing as safety. Now, it sounds crazy right now because what are you talking about? Lynch stocks are down, bonds are down. The best thing ever is a bank. That's right, but it's going to lose a little bit every year. And that when that creeps up, you're in trouble. So what I say is we define, it's strange. We define wealth as how much assets we have, which is logical. However, we live on the income. Right. Income yeah. is what drives our life. So what we need is inflation-adjusted income. We need three things. First, we need to have stability of principle. We need to be able to get a dollar when we need a dollar. And right now, we can see that. We don't want to really sell much financial assets to generate income right now. The second thing we need to do is we want reliable income. We need our income to come in constantly. We can't be like business owners or rock stars or celebrities that get a big payday and then don't work for a while. That's not how most of us work, right? And then the final thing is we need growth of income over time, over time, because otherwise we're going backwards. So that's a system and everybody's going to be different. The system is composed of cash, stable value funds, could be fixed annuities, could be cash values and whole life, depending on the right person, right? Something that's not going to go down and they get access to. Although always be careful of counterparty risk, right? Because there's no such thing as no risk. Second, we got Social Security. Most of us are going to, all of us have that or a government pension, typically in America, unless you just never work, all right? Unless you just never work and you don't get married. Then we might have corporate pensions, the plethora of fixed annuities and income annuities that are out there to sort of buffer that up. And then in the middle, you need the stuff that's going to fluctuate and sort of drive it. So it's kind of like three buckets and two out of the three, oftentimes two out of the three are working and one isn't. And then sometimes like right now, well, usually two out of three are working. Two out of three will be working. The reliable income should always be working. It's just it might get eroded by inflation. The stable value works when the stocks, when the financial assets are down, the fluctuate assets are down and vice versa. So I think there's too much of a stress in terms of safety. And I think there's safety needs to be redefined, in other words, as a lifetime of inflation-adjusted income. And I don't think we need to be scared of volatility and fluctuations, which now is a good time to test that, right? I mean, because... The book got released right into a terrible market. And here I am saying you got to embrace a portion of your assets and need to embrace this market. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you said earlier, the market is always going to find a solution to the problems. Isn't Wouldn't that fall under the efficient market theory? Yeah. Yeah. The efficient market, we know it's not the case because nothing would actually move. You're in Alabama, which is sure. fantastic. And so the Austrian School of Economics is big down there. I think it's at uh, Auburn or U of A. And mm-hmm. That's von Mises, that's Hayek, and they kind of reject a standard equilibrium neoclassical economics. And what they say is markets are always trying to find the right prices. It's yeah. created destruction, right? It's a process of discovery. Mm-hmm. And so your problem creates a solution and your solution creates a problem, right? And human beings, that's how we get progress. So, you know, human nature, it's strange. And I could be wrong on this. I'm not a philosopher, but there's some paradox, which is I believe our human nature stays static which is to say that 
more or less we're the same people our grand grandpa was, right? And if we were married and heterosexual married, our wives would be the same as our great grandmas. So human nature is static, but I do believe that as a society, we make a lot of progress, which is to say that I think our great grandparents wouldn't be the same as they were if they were alive today, right? That's true. Yeah. And so we can learn and we can make progress and we can go. So anyways, that's look at that a little bit. Well, this has been like a masterclass on personal finance and economics. I love it. This has been great for me. All right. You ready to go into an E9 rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's go. What is the last book you read? Oh, my goodness. The last book I read was actually a book on reverse mortgages. I could go get the title right now. but And now I'm reading Ways Fowl's book again on reverse mortgages. So Harlan Acosta is the author. And shoot, I wish I knew it so I could shout him out. Also, I'm listening. I'm always listening to books. So Stephen Pinker's book right now. The Rational Optimist, whatever. Go ahead. Oh, I've actually got that book. So I mix them up. The Rational Optimist is actually not seeing here. Uh, the Better Angel of Our Nature is what I'm listening to right now on my, on my Audible. Other than your book, what is the number one best personal finance book that you would recommend? Well, Morgan Howes' book on money, psychology of money. Is That's a good one. And he is a very good writer. I would encourage everybody to sign up at the Collaborative Fund and read his stuff. He is worth Reading. I don't often say that about people. I'm skeptic and I'm kind of a little bit of a jerk. So that's good. You're not a jerk. If you're an advisor, anything by Nick Murray. Yeah, Nick Murray's really awesome. Go soup the nuts. Psychology of Money, though, is a fantastic book. That is a really great book. I just finished that book. If you listen to this, go read that book. Okay. The reason, right. it's a be- the reason it's a bestseller It's not a scam. When you're not working, dodging hurricanes, for those of you who don't know, before you hit record, we were talking about him dodging the most recent hurricane down in South Florida. But what do you love to do in your spare time? I love to read. And I was always a person who never had a hobby, but that changed three years ago when I started boating and fishing. And I chartered a fishing boat. I have a special needs daughter who's now 21. I always looking for stuff to do. So I like doing fun stuff with her. And I chartered a boat. And so I went and joined a Freedom Boat Club, which is fantastic. You have that in Alabama too, I think a couple places. And uh, I go boating in the summer 50 times. And now that I'm in South Florida, I'll probably go boating 200 times. I'll go three, four times a week and fish. All right, you can fly anywhere in the world. Where would you fly to? Wow. Fly anywhere in the world where to fly to. I want to always go to Thailand and that part of the world. And I'm such an ignorant American that could I find on that? Maybe, but that's where I want to go there, right? I want to yep. go there and I want to, but when I went there, the reason I haven't gone there is I want to be there for a while. I want to be there for a month, a month and a half and really chill and have the kind of travel experiences that we had when we were in college and we didn't have any money, but we had a lot of time, right? Didn't have a lot of money, we had a lot of time. All right, you're flying to Thailand. You can sit next to anyone dead or alive. Who would it be? Ben Franklin. That's good. Everything in America goes back to Ben Franklin. Just read Franklin's biography by, not his autobiography, which is okay, but his biography, I'm gonna forget the author's name right now, absolutely fantastic. And you'll see everybody, Carnegie, Napoleon Hill, it all goes back to, we wouldn't have a country without him. He's unbelievable. Fill in the blank, 10 years ago, I had no idea this would be so hard. Losing 10 pounds. (laughs) I like it. Best thing for you, personally or professionally, however you want to answer this, best thing about COVID for you? The airplanes were empty. (laughs) 
True. They were. I traveled. I met with clients all the way through. Mm. I do what clients want. So mm -hmm. I zoom it or I meet. So, and also I was running a business in Montana. We stayed open and we had a great year. All right, non-native to your phone, iPhone, Android, whatever. What is your favorite app on your phone? My cribbage game. <laughs> cribbage, okay. My cribbage it. game. I love it. That's why I love asking these questions. You would never get this uh, stuff. I'm simple. Way. Yeah, I used to play that with my grandpa, my dad. All right, last question. It is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. What is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? I would say you got one mouth and two ears and use them in that ratio. That's good. That's what the podcast has taught me. That's been helpful for me. Mike, this has been great. People want to connect with you. You've got a great blog. Tell them where to find you on the blog, where they can pick up the book. Where can they connect with you? Okay, go to simpleandbig.com. There's a couple things for you there. You'll see the blog. I made my book actually into a course. And due to regulations, I do not charge for it. So you can go on, click on a course, sign up, download it, have at it. Everybody likes to consume information differently. And then if you want to get the book, you can get the book off the website, simpleandbig.com. Oh, no, excuse me. It's all about the income. I got two books. But Simple and Big 2 is there. And then also Amazon. Go to Amazon, Michael W. Lynch. It's all about the income, simple system for big retirement. And it's accessible, man. I mean, you read my book. I tried to make it fatter. It looks fatter than it is. It's opposite. Well, maybe it's, I don't know. Anyways, you can get it done in an hour, right? Awesome. You can get it done in an hour on the beach. There's no doubt about it. Mike's been great. Appreciate all you. Right. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Always try to give just a few recaps, some takeaways for me. Number one, he definitely talked about behavioral change and the importance, how much it's not just it is about math, but it's more so about the behavioral change when it comes to saving and planning for your retirement. Number two, I thought just the simple numbers when he said, hey, if you save 10%, you'll never be poor. If you save 20% of your income, you can be wealthy. That's an easy thing that was all can go back and look at and say, how much am I saving? What percentage of my income am I actually saving? And then I think you gave a really great distinction between income, affluent, wealth. What does all of those mean? Because a lot of times that begins to get used interchangeably and they're very different. And then it was a small comment, but I think it was really profound. When you are beginning to, you get a raise, maybe as a business owner, you give yourself a raise. He called it driving a wedge between instead of just beginning to spend that money, but actually put aside, in this case, at least put aside 20% of that extra income that you're getting now towards your retirement. So those were some of my big takeaways. Make sure you go and check out his website. He's obviously a fantastic author, really knows as a masterclass on financial planning and economics. I know some of that stuff got kind of nerdy uh, for a period of time, but I know that you learned a lot from it. Go and check out his website, simpleandbig.com. A biggest shout out to our podcast sponsors, Autopilot Recruiting. Coach P Consulting, Direct Clicks, Club Capital, and Rock Solid Assistance. They are all fantastic people who are really helping all of you to be able to grow your businesses, help you individually. And they're just fantastic partners of the podcast. All of you know the importance of being able to recruit on a regular basis. Well, that's exactly where autopilot recruiting comes in. You know the importance of doing it regularly, but yet many of you have put it off to the side and not done that and not put that, made that as a habit. For those of you that have, that's awesome. But for the vast majority, 
you know you need to be doing it regularly to be able to find some of those A players. It's exactly where Autopilot Recruiting comes in. So make sure you go to autopilotrecruiting.com and use the code Club Capital to get started. David continues to send me testimonials and case studies of people that have gotten so much value of the money that they've invested in his coaching twice a week, every single week, you're going to be able to peek behind the scenes of some of the top performers, but it's not just for you, but it's also for your team. And he has an agent only call every single month where you can talk about things that are specific to just being an insurance agency owner. Go to coachpeakconsulting.com and make sure you mention that you heard about him, the Club Capital Leadership Podcast, who'll give you your entire first month off. We're getting towards the end of this year. You know, you want to develop yourself and develop your team. It's your team is the best leverage that you got. And so go to coachpconsulting.com. As we're going into 2023, you want to be able to start growing your business. All of you have the goals to be able to grow your business, bring in more revenue so that you can set money aside for your retirement, as we talked about with Michael today. Well, you want to be able to get really quality leads. The marketing dollars that you're spending need to go as far as they can go. You want to make sure you're getting a good return on investment from those marketing dollars. And that's where Direct Clicks comes in. Go to directclicksinc.com. Lastly, we could not do the podcast without the partners at Club Capital. Speaking of money, what a great, we were talking about personal finance on the side, but your business can be a fantastic conduit into your personal finances. The more that you're able to have more profit in your business, more cash in the business that you can take some chips off the table, the more you can invest in your own personal retirement for you and for your family. But you got to be able to know those numbers and you want to be able to have some good numbers so you can make good decisions that are going to give you a really high investment. So go to club.capital and book a no obligation demo today. Hey, got some messages from a couple of people that went and talked to Tracy and the team at Rock Solid Assistance, and they are loving having an executive assistant for the first time, or what I've a lot of times referred to as a growth assistant for me and the business. They're helping me to get the most important thing that I really can't get anything back from, and that is time. Would not be able to produce this podcast without my team from Rock Solid. Go to rocksolidassistance.com. All right, everyone. Until next week, until next episode, actually, lead well.